Hi everyone, welcome to another Bible study session at Let Us Pray. Father Lord, we thank you. We thank you for another time to worship you and to learn from your word as a community, as a tribe, as disciples, as your disciples. We ask that you open the eyes of our hearts today to hear what you are saying to us at this very moment. Father, open the eyes of our faith to see that which is eternal so that we may move with a conviction that does not hold on to unbelief even in the face of impossibilities, even in the face of giants, but that our faith becomes empowered by your word and that our faith grows in confidence that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength and that our faith is strengthened by the finished work of the cross and then also in knowing that he who Christ who started this work in us is faithful to complete it until the day he returns. Holy Spirit, I ask that you give me the tongues of the ready writer and that you speak through me today, not my words, but yours. Oh God, my Father, be with my mouth and teach me what to say every time I speak. My Father, give me a mouth of skillful words and wisdom. For as I open my mouth, fill it with, with what I need to do to do your will, what I need to say to do your will, what I need to speak on the lives that are listening tonight. I declare that I become lesser and lesser and Christ becomes greater and greater in me. Lord, we thank you. We adore you. We welcome you tonight. Glory be to your name. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen, amen, amen. Today we'll be reading John chapter 5 from verses 1 to 15. But before we start, we usually do a recap from our last session. So I'm just going to go through that quickly. So last session, we studied John chapter 4, 43 to 54. And here is a quick recap. It's usually our tips for an extraordinary life. So number one, leverage the strategies and wisdom nuggets from the life of Jesus to navigate manifesting your gifts so that you can shine the light God has deposited into you to the world. Number two, life and death are in the power of your words. So create life, not death when you speak. Number three, if you want to live a life filled with miracles, that is a life with signs and wonders, you activate miracles by taking faith steps in obedience um, or by having crazy faith with believing. Number four, the whole of creation, entire creation is God's miracle. And you are his creation. So you are God's ultimate miracle, his treasure in earthen vessels. Finally, trust God's timing because he makes everything beautiful in his time or its time. Um, so that's our recap from our last session. So I'm going to go straight into today's reading. So John chapter five, I'm going to be reading from the Christian Standard Bible. John chapter five, verses one to 15. So verse one, it says, after this, which was from chapter four, um, he's, when Jesus went to Galilee to perform the second miracle, a Jewish festival took place and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. By the sheep gate in Jerusalem, there is a pool called Bethesda in Aramaic, which has five porches or colonnades. Within this lay a large number of the disabled, blind, lame, and paralyzed. Verse 5, one man was there who had been disabled for 38 years. 
When Jesus saw him lying there and realized he had already been there for a long time, he said to him, do you want to get well? Sir, the disabled man answered, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, someone goes ahead of me. Verse eight, get up, Jesus told him, pick up your mat and walk. Instantly, the man got well, picked up his mat and started to walk. Now that day was the Sabbath. And so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, this is the Sabbath. The law prohibits you from picking up your mat. He replied, the man who made me well told me, pick up your mat and walk. Verse 12, who is this man who told you, pick up your mat and walk? They asked. But the man who was healed did not know who it was because Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. <laughs> I love Jesus. He's like, um, gotta go. <laughs> um, after this, verse 14, after this, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, oh, I see, see you are well. Do not sin anymore so that something worse doesn't happen to you. The man went and reported to the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. So jumping right in, verses one says, after this, there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem, um, up to verse two. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep pool gate. Anyway, so basically what happened here, so verses one to four, the picture is, so Jesus went back, to Jerusalem for the feast of the Jews. So we don't specifically know which feast this was because they have a couple. So they have the Passover, they have a few other feasts. I don't remember them now. But so Jesus traveled back to Jerusalem for, um, for another feast. Remember, he was in Galilee and then so he went back up to Jerusalem. Um, we can see that Jesus was a very busy man. <laughs> Jesus did everything he wanted to do in three years. Did he ever sleep? Because I may be like, I'm just like, how did he do everything? Like literally modeled an entire life that we live 70, 80 years for in three years. And I'm just wondering how, so this is just so off topic, but um, yeah, so it was a very busy man. And then the verse goes on to say that in Jerusalem by the sheep gates, there was a pool. So in the book of Nehemiah, when God had given Nehemiah the assignment to rebuild the city of Jerusalem, if you look closely, so it's in Nehemiah 3, you will see that he constructed the sheep gates amongst many other gates. So they had to rebuild the city. So according to resources online, this pool is some sort of a Jewish bath. So I don't know if you guys have been to any bath. I've been to a Turkish bath. So it's probably something similar. So in the bath, like it's just like huge, like kind of building complex. They usually have pools inside of them and as long as you're in the bath, like in that building, you know, in the section, everyone and anyone can access the pool once you're in that building. And so it says, by the pool at the sheep gate, there were a bunch of people who were, like, people who were sick, blind, lame, and paralyzed. So just about anyone who had a physical defect or a disease would come to this particular pool. They stayed by the pool waiting for an angel to stir up the water and activate the healing, its healing power so that anyone you know, with a disability or a disease who steps into the water will get healed, right? One thing I want to point out here is that 
Jesus was radical. I mean, we already know this by now since we've been learning about Jesus. He went to the pool that was associated with people with disability. Could you just imagine the stigma or the taboo associated with that, especially back in the day? Back in the day, people who had some sort of disability were considered outcasts. Um, nobody wanted to be associated with them, right? Because, you know, they felt like if you had some sort of disability, you probably sinned or your parents sinned or you offended God or you were unclean. So you, you know what I mean? Like, it was just not something anybody wanted to be associated with. So Jesus going to this pool that I assume was a pool kind of as designated to people with disabilities, he must have been stepping outside of his comf- of the comfort zone of culture and definitely doing something radical. So what can we learn from what Jesus did in this situation? Sometimes our assignments will require us to do radical things, to go to the places that are neglected or condemned, to associate with people who have some sort of disability according to culture, and to do something completely out of what culture accepts or even the law approves, just like Jesus healed the man on the Sabbath, right? So we must change our mindset sometimes when it comes to the things of God. Like he just does radical things sometimes, right? I also want to I want to I also want to talk about the goodness of God in this situation. As I was as I was reading this, I really saw that indeed we serve a good God. God created a way for people to get healed even before they had access to the healing powers of Jesus Christ. So remember, remember that pool was always there and an angel would come down to you know, stir it so that people could get healed. So even though this pool was mainly used by people with disabilities, he used this same location, this same pool as a source of restoration and healing for them. This scenario doesn't just show the goodness and the mercy of God, but it shows his wisdom and his intelligence. So it is even possible that this pool became popular with those with disabilities or diseases because God turned this pool to a place where they could access healing. For me, reading this, I I draw out two lessons that I want to share with you. The first lesson is God will always provide an opportunity for healing and restoration either in the place or location of the problem, of the disability, of the difficulty, by sending his servant to bring healing to a situation that people have labeled a failure. So in this case, the angel would come and stir the water so that people would get healed, right? The second lesson here is he creates a place where you can find healing and restoration and you can get access to his servant So what does this mean for us today? It means that we have Jesus and he can meet us where we are directly. So literally you can encounter Jesus in your space, right where you're sitting, like right there. Or through his servant, right? In this scenario was an angel. Nowadays, it might even be an angel in human form or a man of God or the Holy Spirit. Or he can lead us or he can lead you to where the solution and provision is. And then you can get access to the healing and the restoration we need. So either way, there's always a solution with God. That's what I just see. He just has a way of sorting us out, right? And if you look at the later example, it will be like you going to a church, you going to joining a community, joining a tribe, you know, coming to Bible study or 
or even having an encounter with Jesus himself, just like Paul had an encounter with Jesus on his way to Damascus, right? So God would always meet us where we are, or he would lead us to the provision that we need um, for restoration or whatever the situation might be. And so if, when we move on to verse five, it says, now a certain man was there who had an infirmity for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition for a long time, he said, do you want to get well? Do you want to be made well? The sick man answered, sir, I have no one to put me in the pool. You know, that was the only way he knew healing could come to him, right? And so when Jesus got there, he saw the man and he was just like, this man had been sick for 38 years. I mean, that is a long time. I don't know if anybody is 38, you know, and I'm, but just imagine that length of time having to carry this burden, this infirmity. And in, and. An infirmity is um, defined as a physical or a mental weakness. So as soon as Jesus saw him, Jesus felt pity for him, you know, compassion. He knew how long this man had been through this, 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 in this pain. Jesus connects with our pain. He even connects to the length of time of our pain. So don't just think he's connecting with your pain. He knows how long you've been carrying that pain, that burden. He knows. And so when Jesus saw him, compassion rose inside of him. And immediately Jesus asked, do you want to be made well? This just speaks a lot to Jesus's character as a man who is compassionate, who understands our weaknesses, who knows how long we have carried the burdens, who knows the conditions of our surroundings and the inadequacies of it. He knows it all. And he takes all that into consideration when he's ready to, to solve your matter. The man said, sir, I have no man to put me in the pool right? The man was just not able to get his miracle. It just didn't work out for him. I don't know how many of you guys feel like that sometimes. Someone else always made it to the miracle before he did. And this happened for at least 38 years, right? Every time he thought, oh, today I will get my miracle. Someone else would make it before him into the pool and then he would lose his turn. I mean, I just kind of imagine that the timing of the water from the water turning into a miracle pool was very short. So between the time when the angel was stirred the water and the healing power is active and the time where it gets back to normal water must literally have been a blink of an eye because if he couldn't get in and somebody else always like went before him, it means that he just couldn't catch a break, right? So the miracle was for the fastest fingers pretty much. So can you just imagine every day waiting for a miracle and nothing happening? This man probably doesn't have much speed or enthusiasm either. He's been, in, he's been sick for 38 years. He's tired. He's over it. This, this entire scenario made me kind of know that some folks are faster to get their miracles than others. You know, maybe those people who have had those people who have had infirmities for have carried this pain or burden, whatever, for so long, you know, it's harder for them to kind of get their miracle because they're just in that space. And then others who kind of seem to be getting miracles faster, maybe they just don't have long-standing problems that have kept them unable to move with speed or made them tired. You know, this man just lost hope in his all. 
the longer you are plagued with something, the harder it is to get a miracle quickly. It just weighs on you because the process of that kind of miracle requires something different because there's a mix of physical and mental weakness happening. Just, there's just a lot going on with somebody that's been in the same issue for so long. And that's why Jesus had so much compassion. He understood the man's pain. So I want to tell you today that whatever you're going through, if that just seems seem like long years, you're even tired of counting the years. I'm telling you that Jesus sees you, Elroy, the God that saw hey guy in the desert sees you. So if you're dealing with any long-standing issue in your life, what you need is the wisdom of God. I tell you, not a quick fix miracle because sometimes it's not guaranteed. That's the truth, <laughs> right? You need the wisdom of God. And that's what I want, to, I want us to talk about tonight. It is faster than waiting for a miracle day in a pool or that prophetic word or a man of God laying hands on you. Get into the word of God and allow Jesus to speak to you directly, to speak those creative words to you. Remember last time we talked about the nobleman who all he needed were those words from Jesus. Your son lives. That was it. Immediately, the guy, the man's son was, um, was, um, was alive. So this was the same thing Jesus did for the man here. He spoke. He said, do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made well? Another reason, I want to also point out the power of agreement. Jesus had to ask the man the question because Many people actually don't want to be made well. <laughs> I don't even want to give the example. There are some people that you ask them, do you want to be made well? They'll, they'll give you an excuse. <laughs> they'll be like, oh, maybe not today. I mean, it's just so subconscious, but we do it. They've become so comfortable with their situation that it has become such a part of them that they're just okay living that way. And unless two agree the the miracle and the work cannot be done so that's why jesus had to ask him do you want to be made well or do you want to remain this way because if he didn't want it then the miracle couldn't be done remember we need to believe before and god can act in fact the man you could tell the state of the man so this is why a lot of times when we speak we don't realize that the words we say shows the state of our heart because the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Our response to things can tell your mindset. The man affirmed Jesus' assumption because he responded saying, there's no one to help me into the water. He didn't say, I want to be made well. He was like, oh, dude, <laughs> there's no one to help me. I'm not really, I don't know. Because he was just used to a miracle being done a certain way. That was the only way to get into, to get his miracle, right? The man, he had, he had given up hope. He was, he just couldn't see any way out, right? But Jesus visited him himself. Many people are like this man, where you don't see a way out. You don't see a future miracle for yourself. Other people seem to get miracles before you get yours. And you're just like, what is going on? But I'm here to tell you today, that Jesus himself can get you out of that situation. All you need is an encounter with him. A word from the Savior himself is what made that man whole, and it can do the same to you tonight. Not the regular miracle path that other people take 
just an encounter with Jesus himself is what you need to turn your life around. So have you been in a situation for so long that it has become your, your norm? Is there, does this seem like ah, there's no way out of here? Jesus is asking you today, do you want to be made well? Do you want your situation to change? I am the savior, the I am that I am. All I do is speak a word because I am the word, the I am that I am, and I'm here for you. That is the word of the Lord for you today. I want you to hold on to that. A word and it is done. Moving on to verse eight, Jesus said to him, rise, get up, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. You know, what times Jesus spoke words directly to both men. So the, this man in this passage and the man from John 4, they got their miracle immediately. It just shows you the power of the spoken word. I would like to conclude that once you receive the word from Jesus, that word, that creative word, that word that birthed, that word that birthed new life, like it is like an, it is like an instant miracle. However, remember, even from our last teaching, when Jesus speaks, there are two types of actions that are required to activate such miracles. So a lot of times you're waiting for people to touch, you know, for um, men of God to touch us, you know, that kind of miracle. But Jesus is saying, there's even a greater form of miracle here where I speak a word and all you have to do is take action. So one is, remember, God speaks and then you act through in obedience or the other is by believing. So depending on the, the instruction that God gives you, right? So it's like, he speaks, he gives you an instruction and you do what he says you should do, right? So the other man, he said, your son lives, go home. That's what he did. This man, he said, rise, take your bed and walk. So rise was the creative word, right? And then take your bed and walk is the instruction. So we see the same thing happen here. This, those words were both creative and instructive words. This is so powerful for us. Like you can literally believe, be a walking miracle daily. There are some instructions that God will give you that have the power to create your healing, your restoration, your miracle. But it only manifests when you take action, when you obey. Verse 9 says, immediately the man was healed. Think about it. He said, rise. Immediately was healed. He took his bed and walked. Rise was the word that made him whole. The healing happened with the word rise. So rise was the creative word. And then when he took his bed and he walked, those were the instructions that he needed to obey to, for the creative word to, be, to, to, become, to become real, to be manifested, right? Imagine if he didn't obey the instructions. He wouldn't have known he had been healed. He would have just been there <laughs> on the bed, not knowing that the word had already gone out. And the word is, doesn't come alive until we act because this life is a partnership with God, right? So it's God and man. We're, we're like partners. So God does his part. We do our part. And this is what becomes a miracle. This is, what, this is how heaven is birthed on it. This is how kingdom comes. Man, God does what he, he can do by speaking creative words, words that, are, that turn impossible situations into possibilities. And then man takes action. The man could have been spending the entire time thinking, oh, after 38 years, I don't even remember how to walk. Oh, what can I do? You know, just sulking. But 
you know, because sometimes long-standing problems, you know, those the ones that we know and even the ones that we don't know can leave us with the impression that we are still paralyzed, that we are still not capable of obeying because we've just been in that situation for way too long. And until you get up, until you walk away, you will not even realize that you have been healed. Until you take that step, until you step out into that next move, you wouldn't know that you've been healed, you've been restored. We can also see here through this miracle that if you are dealing with a long-standing issue and you receive a word from God, you don't sit in that same environment. You pack up whatever crutch was holding you back and you walk away from that. You get rid of the things that made you comfortable in that state of stagnancy and you keep it moving. Hashtag we move. That is what we need to do. That is what you need to do. You literally move. So where are you stagnant today that you need to move and just get out of that place. The word has been spoken. Now it's time for you to act and move. Moving on to verse 10 and verse 10, it says, and that day was a Sabbath. And then of course, so Jesus healed the man. The man went about his way. The Jews, you know, our very <laughs> ever ready accountability of police officers were quick to call him out for working on Sabbath. So because he was carrying his bed, it was considered work. To be honest, I know everybody's always bashing the Jews and the Pharisees, but they were basically doing their due diligence, right? Although they missed the bigger picture. They were so focused on the law that they forgot to show mercy. In Matthew 23, 23, Jesus said, what sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are careful to, to tithe even the tiniest income of your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. Another ver- another translation says integrity. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. So the Jews were so concerned with keeping the Sabbath, with keeping the law, that they left compassion behind. You know, sometimes we get so caught up, even in the law of the Lord, and we forget to show mercy. We forget to show grace. We forget to show justice. So the man responded, well, the man who made me well told me to take up my bed and walk. How else would he have, you know? So what else could he have done? How would they have left that place of stagnation he was associated, associated with all these years without physically carrying his things and living there, even though it was a Sabbath, right? So because the Sabbath is a really, really sacred day. And even up to today, the Jews observe it strictly. And, and it is great. It is very good to observe the Sabbath. I always recommend it. I observe the Sabbath my, myself. And also God commands us to do it. But let us not put priority on on some things, especially things that matter to us while neglecting and while we ignore the things that matter to others, most especially the things that are dear to the heart of God. In fact, as we know that Jesus was radical, not only did he go to the pool when the people, you know, that was kind of associated with people with disabilities and diseases. He did it on Sabbath. (laughs) Jesus is my guy. (laughs) You know, he was like, I need to make a statement here. Like, it just always went out of the norm. And I think it's so interesting how most times when we think about kind of like going outside of the norm of actually culture, People think, oh, you're crazy, but I mean, our role model, he did it all the time. However, he didn't do it to prove a point. Jesus, remember, Jesus is always challenging our paradigm. Anytime Jesus did something outside of 
of norm. It was because he want he wants us to he wants to challenge our paradigm so that we can think at a higher level. So sometimes you think you're doing okay, you're great on your lane, you know, I'm on my fit walk, I got it, we're good. And then Jesus throws you a, a curveball and then he challenges you to a higher paradigm, a higher way of thinking. So imagine like if you're someone like me who likes to plan, I'm like, ah, oh, Sabbath, ah, oh, Sunday, Monday, I'm doing my Sabbath. And then next thing is like, oh, you got it. <laughs> There's work to do today. Are you now going to say, oh, I needed to do something? Are you going to say, no, it's Sabbath. Uh, I'm not going to do that. Right. So this is what Jesus was doing here. He did that miracle on Sabbath to challenge their thinking and to elevate their mindset to a higher realm of thinking, right? To the way God thinks. Imagine, just imagine this. Imagine if God responded to us based on all his rules, his heavenly rules. No one will be standing. (laughs) Even God himself has to channel his compassion and mercy in order to respond to us most of the time. I wonder how many times God has, in quotes, broken his own law just to meet our needs. Constantly leveraging his hack of grace to get us on track and to keep us sustained so that we can stand boldly before the throne of grace. And this is why we stand before the throne of grace. It is grace. (laughs) God is constantly looking at us through his lens of grace. And this is what Jesus did for that man there. You know, Ephesians 2 verse 8 says, for it is by grace that you we have been saved. It is by it is the gift of God, not by works so that no man can boast. Literally, we are just a product. We are all a product of grace. And this is so random because this is kind of, sometimes my brain just wonders when I'm studying is that I wonder if the angel didn't work on Sabbath. <laughs> Sorry, this is so funny. I thought, so maybe Jesus thought, hmm, let me visit this pool today and do a miracle since my angel may be off duty. <laughs> and of course, because the man had been sick for 38 years, right? He And he was always trying to get into the water before other people. He probably had already made that place his home. So he wasn't going anywhere. So the day Jesus came there, he was there. I'm assuming that there were no other people there or it was probably less busy as per Sabbath, right? And this made Jesus quickly notice him. Or maybe Jesus went there knowing the man would be there. Maybe the Holy Spirit led Jesus to the pool that day. I feel like Jesus must have been leisurely strolling around Jerusalem, you know, being the ultimate traveler and getting to destinations days before so he could do something of value. Then the Holy Spirit led him to the pool and then he saw the man. Because the Holy Spirit knows all things, right? And so he knew the man needed the touch of Jesus. And so I go on this top off-round topic to say the Holy Spirit sees you where you are. He knows how to get your miracle to you, even if you can't help yourself. There are no days off for our Savior, Jesus Christ. He will even break the law just to get you saved. This is the kind of God that we serve, always going out of his way to save us, including dying on the cross for us. Wow. Oh, what a man of Galilee. I don't know if you guys know this song. Oh, what a man of Galilee, for he has done so very much for us. He has forgiven us all our sins and he sent the Holy Ghost to us. I love that man of Galilee. That is Jesus. That is the, that is the Lord God we serve. And so moving on to verse 12. 
the man, they asked the man, the Jews asked the man, who is this man who said to take up your bed? Um, and then, so the Jews then asked him, who told you to take up your bed? And the man was kind of like, I, I don't know who the man is, <laughs> right? Because Jesus did what he had to do and his camp. But what can we learn from what Jesus did here? It is not everything that we need to announce or as Nigerians will say, loud. You can impact someone's life and the whole of social media doesn't need to know. Meanwhile, these Jews are telling, on the other hand, these Jews, they're telling someone who just got healed from a long-standing sickness that he shouldn't be carrying a bed because it's Sabbath. Can you just imagine that? Like, can you imagine you get a miracle after so many years and then you're going up and down, you're being happy, you're living your best life. And then some folks say, please, why are you happy? What's going on here? <laughs> I don't know, I just find it so funny. So for me, another lesson here, which is, is very kind of, off the side, but it's something that happens, right? Is that the day you are made whole and your miracle comes, it's not everyone that will be happy with you, right? They'll be more focused on other things that you, that maybe you can be doing than the fact that you were just made whole. So this is life. So don't even read too much meaning into it. They're just being themselves, just like the Jews were, right? So just throwing that out there because, you know, sometimes as we move through life, as you are going up, the enemy is throwing curveballs at you at the same time. So just be aware of the, the devices and wiles, the way the enemy tries to distract us and take us off course. And then in verse 14 to 15, it says, Jesus found him later in the temple. Oh, I see you've been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing will come to you. And the man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus. So when Jesus found the man again and said to him, you've been made well, now sin no more, lest something was comes upon you. Remember, um, the man had an infirmity. Um, so why would Jesus say sin no more? This tells us that the source of infirmities or some sicknesses can be sin related, right? So definitely in this particular case, we can tell that this man's infirmity was caused by sin. Sometimes a sin we've committed weighs us down so much and keeps us in bondage for years, right? Up until the point where we can't even do anything. And Jesus was basically telling him, don't fall into this sin again or else it can be worse. I may not be there to save you. Or you may never get into the miracle pool. You know, you may never get a miracle. And what if you don't get the word that sets you free? I don't know. I'm just saying, like, just, just don't do it because <laughs> you just never know. Right? So what Jesus was also doing in that same moment was that it was warning him, but it was also cleansing him. So because Jesus did the um, cleansing, he didn't have to confess his sin. Right? Um which is kind of what we do. I'm going to talk about that a bit. So Jesus cleansed him from the sin that made him sick, but also told him to be watchful and not to fall into that sin anymore. This means that when Jesus heals us, it is a two-part process. He cleanses and he warns us not to sin anymore. So when you get delivered from a sickness, you get cleansed and you get healed. And then the goal is not to do it again, lest anyone falls into the consequences of the sin at a, high, at a higher degree. I don't know if you get get the picture, but just saying that you don't, you just don't know, basically. So whenever someone is suffering from an infirmity, um, sometimes it may be sin related and the presence of the sin allows the spirit that falls the infirmity to feel comfortable and at home and can just be there for years and years and years. Usually such spirits that fuel such infirmities associated with things such as unforgiveness, 
bitterness and jealousy. These passages on infirmity just show us the diversity of issues that we human beings face when it comes to our health, you know, sicknesses, and then the different things that can be behind them. So when you're sick, it's always good to ask. This is why we must always pray and ask God for his will and to guide our prayers. Because if you're praying for healing for someone, you have to ask God for his will. And then ask the Holy Spirit the direction to take because he knows the root cause of the sickness. So you might just be having, um, I don't know, it might just be some kind of sickness that's in, that you've been dealing with for so many years. Yes, you're just wondering, like, I don't even know what this is. Maybe even the hospital is not even sure what it is. You need to seek the face of God because there might be it might be sin related. This is why James chapter 5 verse 16 says, confess your faults, your sins to one another that you may be healed. Right, and if you read the book of James 5, it shows the different ways people can get healing depending on the situation they are in. It also gives us great tips on how to pray for people who are sick. Sin must be dealt with before healing comes. That is just the principle in the spiritual realm. So, to kind of summarize this, this is why Jesus said two, he said, Two things I command you love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. We must flow from love. Where there is love, there is light. Where there is light, darkness cannot stay. Sickness cannot stay. This is why God commanded us to love. If we want to be healthy in our mind and potentially physically, let us learn to live and flow from love. I just I just love that the weapons of our warfare are really not carnal. Just imagine that walking in love, living in forgiveness, exhibiting the fruits of the spirit are all keys to good health. It is just so fascinating to me because most times we are just focused on the big things, but God is like, just love your neighbor. Love me. Don't get offended. Don't be jealous. Let the fruits of the spirit be manifested in your life. And then you can live a full life on earth. Right. I mean, it's easier said than done, but it's just like the things that matter literally are not the things that we think matter. Like the weapons of our warfare are really not carnal. Love is what we need. So finally, to wrap this up, I kind of just wondered why in verse 13, the man didn't know who healed him. But in verse 15, he told the Jews it was Jesus. So this is just my thought process. I believe that in verse 13, he didn't know who Jesus was then. Remember, he was in the school for years, probably didn't really keep up with the news of what was going on in town. Also, Jesus didn't live in Jerusalem anyways, but only visited, right? So sometimes you may not even be aware of the person of Jesus or, and what he can do to save you or save your situation until he encounters you or sends someone to you, right? This is why sometimes you will hear a word or read something and it will be exactly what you needed to hear or you need to hear. That is So that is Jesus looking for you even when you're not looking for him, which is what happened to this man in this situation, right? So Jesus came to him. So the word sometimes will come to you where you are. That is God looking for you. And so by in verse six, by we get to verse 15, it says, Jesus met him again. The man must have asked. So I think the man must have asked Jesus, like, asked some people around, like, hey, who is this guy? Like, and then they said his name is Jesus. <laughs> and then I just find that really like funny. This is just my mindset. <laughs> um, so Jesus is the one that made him well. Jesus is the one that makes you well. Jesus is the one that makes you whole and brings complete healing and restoration to you, even when you're not looking for it. So tonight, I want you to be expectant as we pray for a surprise miracle of healing and restoration because 
He's looking for you. He's looking to restore. He's looking to heal. And he's looking to bring peace into your life and your situation. So here are the key points that you should know to live an extraordinary life. Number one, God is a good God. Like just be grateful every day that you wake up. God is good. His goodness, his mercy, his wisdom, and his intelligence outweighs it all. We are blessed to be serving a living God such as this. Like he's good. He would either bring provision to you or get you to the provision, right? Number two, if you are dealing with a long-standing issue in your life, you need the wisdom of God. And we have a savior whose name is Jesus. Is the I am that I am who is able to speak the exact word you need to restore you back to life. Number three, do not put so much priority on the things that matter to you um, that you neglect the priorities that matter to others, but ultimately matters, but priorities that actually matter to the heart of God, you know, such as mercy and justice. Remember, the Bible says, blessed are those who show mercy for they shall obtain mercy. So I want us to always um, prioritize mercy. It's it's so powerful. Um, number four, Holy, the Holy Spirit sees you where you are and he knows how to get your miracle to you, even if you can't help yourself. So I want us to be rest assured in that he got you. He, he has your back. God will always find you. Is El Roy. He sees you where you are. The lion of the tribe of Judah. He sees you. Finally, we learned that sometimes whenever someone is suffering from an infirmity, there may be a sin issue involved. And in this case, we must confess our sins and then we can pray for healing. Because the Bible says the fervent prayer of the righteous man avails much. So when we when we remove any sin, you know, we submit to God, we pray for healing. We believe that God can give us a miracle, you know, in due season. So Lord, we thank you. Just thank you for another amazing time to fellowship with you, to learn from the word, you know, to learn from Jesus, our lead disciple, <laughs> our role model and our mentor. We just say thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We love you. Thank you. Thank you. Lord, we thank you because you are a good God, like you are good and you are kind to us. Your goodness and your mercy chases after us, even when we don't know it. Your wisdom and your intelligence orders our every step onto the paths of righteousness, onto provision, onto healing and into restoration that you have made for us. Lord, we humble ourselves before you tonight. We submit our lives to you. We confess our sins to you. And we ask that you pray for us tonight. Jesus, our intercessor, the mediator of the new covenant, we ask that you pray for us tonight, that we may be healed. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. Let your mercy triumph over judgment. Have mercy on us tonight. Look at us through the lens of grace and fill us with your warm embrace. Lord, when we fail, forgive us. When we hurt, heal us. Lord, turn your ear towards us. Turn our brokenness to praises. Here on earth, let heaven come in our lives and through us to the nations. Lord, tonight, we pray for the nations. We pray for our countries. We pray for the poor. We pray for the needy. We pray for the discriminated. We pray for the isolated. We pray for the oppressed. Lord, comfort them. Comfort all those who suffer. Bless the poor. Bless those in need. Let us become conduits to carry your blessings, Lord. Madly. Let us become blessings to carry your conduit. Blessings, oh God. Conduits of your blessings in the name of Jesus. Father, bring freedom to the nations. Those who are oppressed, Lord. 
let oppression cease in our generation. Let us become people that you would use to bring an end to long-standing issues, oh God. We will not just be ones who receive miracles, but we would also be ones who birth and give miracles to other people. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray. Holy Spirit, help us to stay focused on the goal that is Jesus. To stay focused on what burns on your, the heart of God, O oh Lord. Give us hearts that burn for what hurts you, Jesus. Give us hearts that burns for the people, you know, injustice, poverty, oppression. Give us hearts that shows mercy, that puts that puts justice forward, that compassionate heart to God, love, hearts filled with love. Fill us with your sea of infinite love from the depth of our hearts in excess, in abundance until it overflows to those around us. Holy Spirit, teach us and help us by the power of your of the Holy Spirit of you to love, to love God with all our heart, with all our soul and our mind. And also help us to love our neighbors as we love you, Lord. I declare that today we flow out of the love of God. Let the fruits of the Spirit yield fruit and be made manifest in our lives. Holy Spirit, you see everyone listening listening tonight. You know their deepest desires. You know their long-standing issues. You know where it hurts. You know all things. Lord, I ask in mercy to surprise everyone here listening with a miracle of healing and restoration. Heal the hearts from hurt, from distrust, from pain, from sorrow, from depression, from sadness, and fill them, fill us with your joy, with your peace and your love. Almighty One, Holy One of Israel, help us where we can't help ourselves. We can't do this on our own, Lord. We can't. We just we just can't. <laughs> we need you. We can't do this without you. Holy Spirit, and we trust you to help us. And so we surrender all to you. We surrender all to you. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on us. Lord, we thank you. We adore you. Holy Spirit, we say thank you. Abba, Father, we love you. Without you, we can do nothing. Without you, I cannot do anything. And so I want to acknowledge you tonight, Holy Spirit, for everything that you do for me, for helping me, for keeping me standing here tonight. I love you, Lord. We thank you for answered prayers. We give you all the praise for in the mighty name of Jesus, we have prayed. Amen, 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 amen. Thank you.